Hello, welcome to this week's episode of Bite Size Cinema, a show where we discuss a film and cook a food from that film. My name is Myra, I have a bachelor's in cinema, and I love to cook. As a courtesy warning, there will probably be spoilers, so please watch the movie before you listen to this, unless you don't care otherwise. And today's feature film is The Godfather from 1972. So it feels like we just keep moving backwards in time. Um, I keep going 10 or more years back each week. It's not intentional. Uh, This film is (laughs) directed by Francis Ford Coppola, and actually, uh, a week from now, so March 14th, it will be 51 years since the original theatrical release of uh, The Godfather, which is just a mere coincidence that I happened to see when I was looking up some details on this film. The Godfather is obviously a classic. It's widely known to be one of the greatest films of all time. That is up to you to decide if you agree with that or not. I definitely think that it is one of the best films of all time. If you look at the American Film Institute's top 100 greatest films of all time, American films of all time specifically, it ranks number three, which is really high, considering there are thousands and thousands and thousands of movies. With that said, there is at least one prominent racist comment in the film that I do not like and wish wouldn't be there. The film is set in 1940, or in the 1940s, and I assume those types of lines were written to have a realistic approach to the time period, but the film would literally still be great without it, so it's very unfortunate that that is written in there. In terms of the murder aspects, uh, if you are not one to, like, murder in general and gore, probably not the film for you. There is a lot of death in this movie. A lot of people get shot in this movie. And I don't even think that's a spoiler. I think it's pretty obvious when you're going to watch a movie about mafia, you're going to probably see some murders. There are two to three dozen deaths by assassination or execution. My favorite for the practical special effect is when the bosses are all shot. One of them is shot through his eyeglasses like just one eye though, and as silly as it is, uh, because his head doesn't immediately drop, he kind of holds it in place for the shot, obviously, and then blood comes out and spills, and it's slow, and it's very fun. Anyway, we could probably be here all day if we just picked apart all of the different deaths and actually just any inch of the film. I mean, it's a three-hour-long movie. We could be here all night or day, depending on when you're listening to this. So I want to focus on specific aspects. A lot of people might be surprised to learn that The Godfather is actually based on a book. It's the same title. It is about, obviously, an Italian mafia family, but if you're not familiar, it's about the Corleone family, and slowly follows the youngest son of that family, Michael, and how he inevitably transforms into the head of the family. Michael's father, the literal godfather, that is his character. It's always fun when a title is verbally said in a film. Uh, he is Vito. He's a Sicilian immigrant who built an entire mafia empire. Vito is played by the infamous Marlon Brando. Michael is played by a very young Al Pacino. And these two, for lack of a better word, killed it. They played their parts so perfectly. 
One scene that I actually found very interesting in this film um, as I rewatched it is because I've seen it many times, obviously, uh, is in which Vito learns of the death of his eldest son, Sonny, who is played by James Caan, R.I.P. The entire film thus far, up until this point, you have seen Vito in a very serious light. He's a very serious face. If you don't get the hints from me saying serious multiple times, he's a very serious guy. (laughs) And this is the first moment you witness him break down. He's crying. He's mourning. He says he wants to have a truce between all the families. He calls upon all the five families for a meeting. And again, if you're unfamiliar with this film, I'll give you a little recap. So there are five prominent families. The real-life five families that this is inspired by, you may be more familiarized with, which are the Bonanno, Colombo, Gambino, Genovese, and the Lucchese. If you want to do a little homework and dive deeper, I suggest you do a little research of your own, learn a little bit about them if you don't know anything about them. Very fascinating families and not somebody you want to mess with. So cut to, Vito is in poor health, appoints Michael as boss. Initially, everyone continues to look to Vito for leadership, even though Michael is in the room. They're listening to Michael speak and then turning their head and looking at Vito like, mm, but mm, do, is, that what, is that what you want us to do? What do you want us to do? And this prominent scene, when Michael begins to take ownership of that role, he literally seats himself into his father's chair. His father typically when in that room, has been sitting in that chair. It's a very symbolic thing. That chair is the boss's chair. And you have power when you sit in this chair. And by him standing and offering it up to his son, and then his son eventually in that scene taking the seat and sitting in it. No words are ever exchanged about him getting up for him to sit there. No words are exchanged about him wanting to sit there. Like It's an unspoken exchange of power where he takes control of the room and he's very serious like his father all of a sudden before the scene he is a very loyal son he's a very um, intelligent kid he has clearly tried to make a life of himself outside of the family business but now that it is his time to step into that role he takes it very seriously. And he is there. He is all in. He is a day one. He's somebody you want on your team. He's somebody who's like, you're my family and I'm your ride or die. So we like Michael for his loyalty. And not long after this, Vito dies. Sorry to say. And Michael succeeds him as the official dawn of the family. And at the funeral, one of the family sets up a meeting with Michael and his father warned him of this meeting before he passed. And Michael sets up the meeting anyway, and then on the day of the meeting, he attends a baptism to become a godfather. And at the same exact time, simultaneously, he's becoming a godfather, which is another power move, a very symbolic part of the film. His father's passed, and now suddenly he's a new leader, boss, godfather, the dawn. Like, he's taking it all. And he has hired men to kill every head of the other families. All in the same moment. This is all happening at the same time. And they are taken out one by one by one by one. And this is an even bigger power move than sitting in his father's chair. 
He's sending a crystal clear message of who is in charge. He's sending a very clear message of who is actually running everything. He's like, you know, I'm here now. I'm in this role and I'm in charge. It's a very big power move. I think the reason you don't see it coming is due to him trying so hard to be outside of the family for a huge chunk of the film and have a separate life from the family, you know, having other interests besides the family business. But the moment that he is in it, you know that he's in it. And it's important to note that this film jump-started the mafia movie genre, also referred to as the mobster movies, gangster films, whatever you want to call it. Yes, this is a subcategory, and the genre already existed before this film came out, dating back to the 1930s, actually. Uh, movie Public Enemy. If you've ever seen The Public Enemy, it came out in 1931. But the success of the Godfather trilogy really put the genre on the map, and it has set the tone for all of its successors. So anything that has come out within this genre since 1972 has been completely inspired from this film. All right, so as always, I love to talk about something that I got out of the film. The last two episodes were films that I would have I was watching for the first time. This is a film I've seen before, but I tried to watch it in a new light. And something that I got out of it that I had not gotten out of it before was the importance of loyalty. You know that these people are incredibly loyal to each other. They are all about community. And I realized community is really important to me. And I realized the correlation of their type of community in my type of community. And sure, these guys are mafia guys. There's a lot of murder involved. Uh, It's not the same as my personal community, for sure. We're supporting each other in a different way. However, the concept, the premise, uh, the idea of community and support and that supportive network and being uh, there for other people, depending on other people, and also the respect within that circle is the same. You can find that in your own community. And I think it's really important to note that because they're showing you in this film, it doesn't matter if you're a mafia guy or you're some Joe Schmo on the side of the street walking to get a cup of coffee. Your people are your people. You got to treat them right. You got to respect them. And knowing that you guys have each other's back You're there for each other in good times and bad times. You're having a hard day. You can give me a call or come over and we could chat about it, make you feel better, support you. It's essentially everything, minus the murder, that I have in my own community of friends and family. It was something I just, I never, I never noticed before in the film. I never noticed a correlation between the community within The Godfather and my own life which is fascinating when I think about it because who knew? We're the same. (laughs) But yeah, think about it. Think about the people in your life that you have in your little network, in your whatever you want to call it, community, network, support group, family, friends, your circle. Think about those people. Do you guys have each other's back? Are they people that you could call up and say, I need a favor? Do you have that kind of support network? Because I know I do. I am personally blessed with the people in my life. I have 
incredible people in my pocket and they know that I'm there for them tenfold. So it was a nice reminder of that and a nice reminder that I have that in my life and I hope that you have that in your life. And if you don't have that in your life, if you have people that you don't feel like you have support from and people that aren't there for you and don't have your back, and I'm not saying people that are going to go out of their way in an unhealthy way for you or in a toxic way for you and vice versa, but in a healthy, loving, kind way. If you have those people in your life, you are so lucky, you are so blessed and keep them and hold them close and take care of each other. But if you don't have that, you might need to reevaluate your friend group. You might need to work on some boundaries. And I'm not a therapist, so you can figure that out on your own. But you might want to rethink some things in that group. So something to think about. (laughs) Who knew? Watching The Godfather, I'd find a way to relate it to community and get you to think about the people in your life. All right, I want to talk about this week's featured food. Like I said, we could, we could talk all day about the Godfather. I'm not going to do that to you. I'm not going to bore you. But that's what I got out of it. That's what I wanted to discuss today. I hope you enjoyed that a little bit. So for our food, I'm still drooling over these. I grew up eating a lot of Italian food, so I'm biased. I'm also part Italian. I'm Sicilian, just like they are in the film. And I wanted to choose a film in which I could make meatballs because I really wanted to make meatballs. And also today is, drum roll, International Meatball Day. So if you'd like to celebrate International Meatball Day with me, you can make these too. I made a mushroom meatball. They're gluten-free, they're vegan. And if you don't want to call them a meatball, you call them a mush ball. It's a fun word to say, and it is more actually what they are. Anyhow, I grew up spoiled with my step-grandmother's family recipe. It had meatballs and sausage, and it was cooked every Sunday, or at least most Sundays, and it was just so good. I, I stopped eating meat in middle school, though, and my family would set aside sauce without the meat just for me, and I loved it, but over the years, I wanted to create my own version of that sauce that was made with sausage and meatball, but just not from an animal. And so over the years, I've come up with my own little alternatives. And one of the styles I like to do is this mushroom-based meatball. And like I said, they're vegan. They're gluten-free. They're delicious. You could put them on top of spaghetti for sauce. You can cook them into your sauce. You can use them on a meatball sub. You can eat them on their own. You can get real creative with them. You can make them a little bit meatier and add Beyond Meat grounds to them. You could take out the mushroom altogether and just use Beyond Meat grounds in them. You can have a lot of fun with it. They're addictive. They're super easy to make. They're highly nutritious because mushroom is not only known to be a superfood, but it does have medicinal purposes. Obviously, not all mushrooms are created equal because they are fungi and some are known to be poisonous or even deadly, so be careful. But Obviously, I use the safe ones that they sell at the store, and if you want to make a sauce like Clemenza, a character in this movie, there's a scene in which him and Michael are in the kitchen. There's a lot of other guys in the background, but him and Michael are the prominent characters, and they're having a conversation, and Clemenza wants to tell Michael how to cook a simple sauce, so I, for this week, made the sauce exactly as it is described in the film. The quote is, 
You see, you start out with a little bit of oil, and you add some garlic. Then you throw on some tomatoes, tomato paste. You fry it. You make sure it doesn't stick. You get it to boil. You shove in all the sausage and meatballs. Uh, and a little bit of wine. And a little bit of sugar. And that's my trick. That's what Clemenza says, and that is what I did. So I hope that you enjoy it. I made it exactly like that. It came out great. I ate leftovers already, and yeah. If you'd like to make this week's featured food, the mushroom, the sauce, or both, or you just want to see how mine came out because it did come out delicious, go ahead and jump over to Instagram, TikTok, or YouTube at Bite Sized Cinema. That's Bite Sized Cinema. And thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I always appreciate your support. Please do not forget to subscribe, follow the socials, share this with some of your friends and family if you enjoy it. And I hope that you are kind to yourself today and every day. Ciao a tutti.